0: Hello, hello! Welcome to Behind the Backstretch, a podcast brought to you by the Backside Learning Center. I am your host, Andrew Crumb, and folks, the Derby season is almost upon us. Yes, the track has opened here at Churchill Downs. Um, after a brief hiatus during the winter months, we've seen some new and familiar faces back here on the Backside Learning Center, and it's been a really uh, fun and exciting time. And it's only going to get more fun and exciting with um, some of the things lined up here with the BLC. So. We have our second annual version of our spring event, the Backside Learning Center's Derby Handicapping Social, which will be taking place at the Louisville Thoroughbred Society on April 18th from 5:30 to 7:30 p.m. And this event is now sold out. But this event is kind of a lead off, a kickoff to uh, the Derby season, and features a panel of horse racing experts who will be pretty much handicapping uh, the upcoming Derby. If you have tickets to that event, we hope to see you there. And also, if you are unable to attend or didn't get tickets on time, there will be uh, some live streams on our Facebook Live uh, that will be going on, so you'll be able to catch a little bit of the action. So for this episode, we'll be kind of focusing not just the Derby Handicapping portion of it, but also our programs and our Purses for a Purses initiative. So first, we will be talking with uh, Joe Kristefec who is going to be one of the panelists um, that will be doing the Derby Handicapping as he works for Churchill Downs, and he kind of goes into how he got into horse racing, um, his love for working at Churchill Downs, and, you know, what he'll be doing um, at the event itself. And then we get to talk to a member of Purses for a Purpose, which is our initiatives um, to allow horse owners to kind of join our virtual stable as we kind of then act as cheerleaders for these horses. If you know these horses win, these owners will donate a certain portion of their winnings to the Backside Learning Center. So it is kind of a really fun and cool partnership uh, with these different owners and trainers and the horses themselves. So that's really exciting. We will be talking with Brian Dean and Otto, who is a part of Purse for a Purpose, and he will kind of talk about... Um, what he does within the horse racing world, uh, how he got involved with Purses for a Purpose, the importance of the backside community to the horse racing world itself. So we have an exciting episode lined up for you guys. And first, here is horse racing analyst and expert, Joe Kristefec. Joe, how are you doing today?
1: All is well. I'm just uh, wrapped up at Fairgrounds and uh, gearing up for You know, the uh, last three sixteenths of a mile on the road to the Kentucky Derby.
0: Yeah, it's crazy how fast I feel like it's approaching. We were just talking, it's crazy that it's two months until our event and and about almost less than a month till the actual Derby.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the prep season, you know, goes quickly. You've got the uh, final major preps coming up this Saturday and uh, a lot of big preps will run this last weekend. And you know, being in New Orleans uh, to just kind of see that road that comes through fairgrounds, which has really gotten more and more important over the last few years. Kind of feel like I'm in the trenches for a lot of the lot of the most important stuff. And uh, that bodes well for my preparation leading up to the Kentucky Derby workout show, and then eventually the big weekend.
0: Absolutely. So if you could I guess just first kind of introduce yourselves to the listeners out there, you know, who you are and what you, you know, currently do specifically in the horse racing world.
1: So I got my start in horse racing while I was going to college, Columbia College, downtown Chicago. I had a limited exposure to horse racing growing up, started going to the Jackson Street OTB across from Sears Tower, which is now Willis Tower, where I worked part-time while I was going to college and just really immersed myself in the horse racing industry. I always say this, I believe that you're either born with gamble in your blood or you're not. I was born with gamble in my blood. I was also born with kind of an analytical yet creative mind, which to me really, really translates well to being a Genuine horse racing fans, someone that wants to figure out the puzzle, someone that wants to handicap the races, isn't afraid to risk a few dollars on their opinions. And uh, growing up in Chicago, Arlington Park, Sportsman's Park, Hawthorne Racecourse were my home tracks. I remember a specific moment, and I tell this story on the podcast where, you know, they bring up my background mm-hmm. of looking up at the TV screen and seeing to- Tony Kobitz in the beautiful sunny paddock at Arlington. Wearing a suit and tie with a microphone, and he was giving his picks out on TV. I'm like, wait a minute, they pay that guy to do that. And from that point on, I kind of set myself a goal that that's what I wanted to do for a living was, you know, be an on-air analyst for horse racing. And got a print journalism degree from Columbia College, but at the same time, got my foot in the door at the local racetracks and. You know, there was no social media really back then at all. So I couldn't start my own website. I couldn't promote myself on Twitter. I had to come up through the ranks. Uh, They threw me on TV, eventually started doing morning lines in Chicago and, um, you know, go on for hours about how much I've done in the industry leading up to my first year at Churchill Downs, which was 2015. And I've been at Churchill since uh, American Pharaoh's Triple Crown. And I've been at Fairgrounds for the last six seasons now. And not only am I the on-air racing analyst, but I'm also a senior producer. So I do a lot when it comes to the content behind the scenes that you see on the air. And then I do some media work and some social media work at Fairgrounds too. So I think, you know, in 2023, especially in the horse racing industry, in order to have a full-time job, which they don't come around, Uh, Very often they don't grow on trees because there's a lot of separate meets at different tracks. It's tough to really not have that vagabond kind of gypsy lifestyle, which I still have to a certain extent because I still go to fairgrounds in the winter, but uh, you got to be able to do a lot of different things. And, you know, the people I work with and myself included, we just have a passion for the game Mm -hmm. and uh, we want to continue to make it better and hope that uh, it continues to excel into the future.
0: Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you just answered, I think, a few of my next questions. I was going to wait to ask this later, but I think it kind of ties into it now. You know, someone you've kind of, as you said, you had to work through the ranks, you know, especially before the social media era. And, you know, you've handicapped tracks around the country and the world. You know what, I guess, separates your work at Churchill Downs, like apart from other racetracks that you've worked at?
1: Well, that's an easy answer. I mean, the Kentucky Derby is the most famous horse race in the entire world, and I get chills even talking about that. That I, you know, have come to this point where, you know, Travis Stone's the voice of Churchill Downs, but I'm pretty much the face of mm-hmm. Churchill Downs, being on the air along with Scott Shapiro and Caitlin Free, and you know all the other people we bring on the air with us uh, on an occasional basis, but being able to cover the road to the Kentucky Derby. It's the only race that takes seven months, literally from September to the first Saturday in May to handicap being on the grounds at fairgrounds, seeing all those great three-year-olds and then rolling into Churchill Downs. And, you know, most big sporting events, they start their season with the beginning and the lead up and, you know, battling for the playoff spots at Churchill. We have opening day and a week later, it's the Derby. So we're thrown right into the fire, man. And there's nothing like it. The workout shows we get to do, watching these horses train, you know, looking at the pedigrees, looking at the replays, the past performances, and then that two minutes and it's over. And then all the work you put in and then some crazy long shot, like rich strike wins, yeah, which nobody saw coming. But that's part of why it's such a great race and uh, such a great social event and such a great lead up to it all.
0: It was it was funny because I had Travis Stone on last year on the podcast and he was talking about Rich Strikes win and how he like it was he was very close to almost saying like the wrong name because because of how big of a long shot it was. And it was such like an unexpected win. So it's, it's crazy how, like you said, all that work and a horse that enters the race the last minute can can end up pulling it out. It's crazy. I don't
1: I don't envy Travis at all, man. What a tough job race to race, let alone 20 horse field in the biggest race in the world. And I've talked to Travis about this, like his race calls long after he's dead and buried and gone, his race calls are going to live on forever because it's the Kentucky Derby and it's a moment in history. And those races are going to get hundreds of thousands and millions of views. And uh, I couldn't even, Think about putting myself in his shoes. You know, I picked the loser, or I, you know, I picked the uh, Modonagle epicenter last year. You just move on to the next year. Some people will remember, some people won't. But uh, you can't change that race call uh, once they cross the finish line.
0: So, as somebody who, you know, is involved, who has worked at Churchill Down since, you know, 2015, I guess, how did you learn about our organization, uh, the Backside Learning Center um, at Churchill?
1: So I started Brilliant Racing along with Brandon Staubel and Natalie Gills uh, six years ago. We're in our fifth partnership now. Brandon's wife, Corey is a big supporter of the organization. She's an active member and supporter of the organization. And uh, we joined the Purses for Purpose uh, initiative with a horse that we had by the name of Risky Behavior. Mm -hmm. That was a Brilliant Racing partnership two or three, I can't remember off the top of my head, but that was the first exposure. And then I've just worked on several different initiatives with your organization over the years, including the handicapping seminar that we did at uh, Louisville Louisville Thoroughbred Society last year that I know we're going to do again and talk about more later this year. But man, it's not hard to just look into the organization, see how far you guys have come in recent years and all the great work that you do that's so necessary because anybody that knows anything about horse racing and obviously I do work at Churchill Downs, you know, in a prominent on-air role, but I'm also a horse owner and I am on the backstretch constantly at Michelle Lovell's barn, Greg Foley's barn, uh, any of the barns that, you know, we've owned horses with in the past, Steve Margolis, and we see how hard, these people work. Mm -hmm. And then you think about the fact that they're raising families back there and, you know, the services that you guys offer, all the programs, all the education is just so integral, not only on the backstretch, but for the world in general to get people properly educated so that, you know, our future is bright, not only in the horse racing industry, but just in day-to-day life. So I gravitated towards the organization Uh, give to it on a regular basis, try to support you guys wherever I can with my time and energy. And uh, yeah, I think it's just very, very important for everybody to not only contribute financially, but uh, just have that overall awareness of how important what you guys do is.
0: Yeah. And that kind of answers my next question. I'll ask to see if we have any, if you have, I guess, an additional thoughts on this, but you know, for horse owners, betters and even general fans of horse racing. I know you're big on kind of like fan general fan engagement um, and fan development. You know, what is the importance of the work on the backside? You know, why should not just horse owners, but like the average horse racing fan or the average person should care about the the work on the backside?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I think there's three segments of horse racing fans, the hardcore gamblers who don't spend hardly any time on the backstretch who look at horses as machines and not as animals. Then there's the people that don't gamble a lot on the sport, but they love the pageantry and they love the horses themselves. Maybe dabble a little bit in ownership, et cetera. And then there's the people like me that are both. I mean, I love the animals. I love the backstretch. I love the parimutuel wagering system and the fact that you can back Your opinions at the at the betting windows. But like I said, being on the backstretch and seeing how hard these people work. And man, they just love the horses and they love their jobs. And we know those jobs don't pay a lot. You know, you do that because you're passionate about it, the self-satisfaction you get when your horses perform well, taking care of those animals. And then, you know, at the same time having a family and You know, a lot of the adults need to be educated, but certainly a lot of those children need to be educated. And, you know, you've got people that speak, you know, Spanish, English, a little bit of both, somewhere in between, and it can be intimidating to be on the backstretch and not know where to turn to be properly educated. And, you know, the guidance that you guys provide is, uh, you know, you really can't put a price tag on that.
0: Absolutely. Um, So... If you could tell us a little bit, so we have our upcoming Derby Handicapping Social, which is our second annual version of this event. Could you tell us a little bit about, you know, what you will be doing um, at our Derby Handicapping Social um, on the 18th?
1: Yeah, you know, Andrew, I think it's a great event for people to attend, to learn more about your organization, because, you know, there will be a presentation that tells you about some of the programs et cetera, and about the organization. And that's extremely important. And I'm glad I'm able to to contribute to the seminar. You have a lot of, you know, people, Kate and Bradar, I know know is spearheading this, that follow these horses, you know, the entire lead up to Kentucky Derby. So I think if you're a horse racing expert, you follow the sport on a regular basis, you can come to this seminar and kind of hear our opinions on the horses, from a lot of different angles because there are so many different angles involved in a race where 20 horses are going a mile and a quarter for the first time in their lives and all the prep races and the pedigrees and everything. So many different, uh, ways to look at the race. You can get something from it. If you follow it yourselves, we love to hear other people's opinions as well. But if you're kind of like a casual horse racing fan, you could come to a seminar like this, and take some notes and get up to speed in the course of a couple of hours without really following what's going on, hearing what the panelists have to say about each of these individual horses, the favorites, the long shots, you know, the horses we think are pretenders and not contenders and just being able to, you know, absorb all of those different opinions and kind of utilize that moving forward when you talk to the Kentucky Derby with your family or your friends you're going to get completely caught up to speed at an event like this. So I think uh, it's kind of threefold. And I think anybody that comes to it will not only be informed, but hopefully entertained.
0: Absolutely. And even me last year, I was kind of moving the PowerPoints, making sure that like the different video clips were playing at different races, but I was still like able to absorb some information and then learn as well. So I thought it was a really awesome panel. So one final question. Thank you so much, Joe, uh, for joining us on the podcast. You know, last year's Derby was such a historic upset and, you know, kind of caught people off guard. Uh, You know, what are you most looking forward to this year's um, Kentucky Derby?
1: Great question, because it can be answered so many different ways. I love the lead up. I like uh, doing those workout shows that we do Uh, They will begin the Monday before opening night, which is that Saturday before the Derby. And, you know, we dissect every single angle possible. These horses, a lot of them are going to be on the grounds earlier, Churchill, and horses slowly start to trickle in. But we'll cover those final workouts for the horses that are on the grounds and just getting a look at how these horses are training and talking to the connections and feeling that buzz on the backstretch in the days leading up to the draw and after the draw, the final days leading up uh, to that Friday for the Oaks and the Saturday for the Derby. That's my final, uh, my, my favorite part I should say with the final culmination being the actual races. But the favorite part to me is the whole lead up from September all the way till now. And especially those last couple of weeks. So in addition to your seminar, I suggest people watch that Derby morning work show. You can find that on Twitter. You can find that on a Kentucky Derby website. And uh, if you don't watch it live, it is early in the morning, I think seven o'clock Eastern, you can watch uh, you know, the, uh, the recorded version as well. But it really, really gets you juiced up for what's to come in the Kentucky Derby by just seeing these horses trained and learning uh, every intric- in- intricacy about each of them.
0: Thank you so much, Joe, uh, for joining the podcast. I really enjoyed a lot of your answers about just like you're it's very easy to tell like your passion about horse racing and also everything that goes into it so um i think that's been awesome
1: no man and again thanks for all the great work that you guys do i appreciate you having me on and uh just continue to fight the good fight i'll help you any way i can and looking very forward to seeing everybody at that seminar come on out and join us
0: So now joining the Behind the Backstretch podcast, we have Brian DiDonato. Brian, how are you today?
2: I'm great. Thanks for having me.
0: So thanks for joining me. Um, I'm really excited to, you know, get to talk with you and learn more about the people that are involved with the Purpose for Purpose initiative, because I haven't really been able to talk with as many owners and trainers and people involved as much as I want to. So could you first tell us kind of who you are and what you currently do um, in the horse racing world?
2: Sure. Um, So kind of do a few different things, uh, Mm -hmm. mostly on the bloodstock side these days. Uh, My main focus is as head of operations for Edge Racing, which is a an arm of my racehorse. It's kind of our more traditional syndicate. Um, I also have my own syndicate that I started, Franklin Ave Equine. Uh, I manage those horses as well and also buy for clients uh, at sales and stuff. And then my first racing job was at the Thoroughbred Daily News, and I still help them out on, on busy days and contribute a little bit there.
0: Awesome. So, and and you know, what kind of led you initially to becoming involved in the, uh, the horse racing industry?
2: Probably like a similar story to a lot of people uh, was taken to the track growing up, uh, mostly by my father. Uh, I grew up in Connecticut, so Saratoga was sort of the... Our local track, if you will, Um, obviously a special place to go in the summer Uh, and kind of got back into it in college just from like the handicapping side, had some friends who were interested. Um, Then between junior and senior year of college, landed an internship in the press box at Saratoga, and that was really eye opening and, you know, my first real exposure to anything beyond just, you know, going through the turnstiles and as a fan, uh, getting to see the backside Getting to interact with legendary trainers and stuff. I know the first, first person I interviewed was Bobby Frankel and the second was Alan Jerkins. So, wow. real, you know, legendary guys. I'm, I mean, I'm sure I was really, really intimidated at the time, um, but was a great exposure, obviously learned a lot, Just fell further in love with the sport. Um, went back to college for senior year. I was kind of planning to go to law school, kind of threw that out the you know out the window a little bit, um much to the chagrin of my parents, and then graduated actually graduated in two thousand and eight, so it was kind of a tough time to graduate and then mm-hmm. eventually landed a job at the Thurber Daily news uh on the editorial team, so that was kind of my main gig for at least probably better part of ten years
0: yeah so and i I kind of relate to that i I think I thought about law school for a while as well, and i I just gotta be crazy to like. You get your first experience in horse racing and then you're immediately thrown in with like some of the biggest names. I feel like that's gotta be something that's
2: oh yeah, it was a lot, but
0: but it's a lot at once, I would assume.
2: For sure, for sure. I think that was that was a pretty eye-opening summer, just the whole thing, just going to the track every day. You know, it used to be just you go once a month or something like that, and just living it day in and day out was definitely a, a totally different experience.
0: So you said that you worked, you know, for the the Red Daily News um, for about 10 years. What was it like as transitioning from writing about horse racing to actually becoming involved in the thing that you're following? I think that must be kind of an interesting transition.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, a big part of what the TDN does is we're sort of the industry daily publication for the business side of things. So a lot of what I did was covering sales and just sort of learning how the bloodstock industry worked, how, you know, what sales were like, um just learning that side of it, which really, you can, it's tough to learn. It's, you know, as a fan or something like that, obviously you don't get that exposure. Um So kind of just became super interested in that and the pedigree aspect of things. Um Ended up buying like little pieces of horses uh, with friends or in other syndicates did some you know little pin hooking stuff um, and kind of felt like I could do that kind of thing and maybe improve on certain experiences i had had with other syndicates so that's really where it came from um, and you know started off raised money family and friends bought our first horse and then it kind of just snowballed from there and then I was able to pick up outside clients and buy better horses and you know, like I said, it kind of just took off from there.
0: Yeah. And now as somebody who has kind of how that has snowballed into this career in horse race and horse ownership and bloodstock, you know, how did you learn about uh, the Backside Learning Center initially, initially and kind of what connects you, I guess, with our mission?
2: So um, one of our partners was on the board uh, of the BLC, Jason Ritchie. Yeah. Um, and he had approached me asking, "Yeah, you know, I think, I think we were maybe the first we had one of the first horses to to sign up for the program. And he had mentioned it to me and said, it was, you know, sounded like a worthy cause and all that. And I thought it sounded great too. So that's how we jumped, we jumped on, uh, and signed up. Um, and I mean, it's just, to me, it's kind of a no brainer. I think it's an obvious program to support, uh, you guys do great work. Um, and it's just kind of fun. I mean, it's like, you know, you still have the racing element of it and it's like the excitement of it. And, you know, maybe you get a little extra good karma or something uh, when your horse is running for a positive purpose like that. Uh, so it just kind of seemed like a no brainer for us.
0: Yeah. And that kind of answers my set, my next question, which was like, how did you become involved with our purses for a purpose program? But I guess further, and you kind of already touched about touch on it, but you know what, I guess, further do you enjoy about being involved in the program?
2: I mean, it's just cool. You know, you feel like you have other people rooting for your horse and also who may benefit from, you know, when you actually have a good, when you have a successful outing. Um, I mean, it's, you know, doing what I do is tough. It's a lot of disappointment. It's a lot of frustration and, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna leave the track less in a worse mood than when you got there a, a pretty high percentage of the time but it's nice when you do have that you know the moments when you do win kind of make it all worth it and make it special and it's kind of nice to share in that with you know a whole other group of people and again just sort of leverage that positive experience to to help others
0: yeah i think that's something i've learned by following horse racing is looking at i'm like oh getting into horse racing used to be just winning all the t- every everybody's just winning winning money all right. the time And I'm, I'm like it takes a while before you can kind of start winning. It's, it's tough. There's it's, it's kind of a, I don't want to say random, but it's it can on a consistent basis winning and horse racing can be difficult. I would assume.
2: There's a lot more that can go wrong than can go right.
0: Yeah. So one final question for you, Brian, thanks for joining us so much. Uh, so generally, why do you think um, it is important for, Horse horse owners or just people involved in the horse racing industry in general to become involved and kind of invest in the backside community in general.
2: I mean, I think the reality of the sport is um, I mean, it's I wouldn't say it's economically easy either way, but I mean it does rely on inexpensive labor and really skilled people who are performing that labor. And, you know, we owe it to everyone on the backside to support them. They're the ones taking care of these investments day in and day out, these horses that are important to us and they deserve the same support. Uh, Their families deserve the same support. Um, And I think it's just nice from a community aspect. We moved down to Louisville a couple of years ago in 2020 um, and we love it here. And it's just, you know, horse racing is obviously ingrained in this community and it's nice to support, you know, the local community in that way too.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's amazing to have people like you on our side for, you know, not just with the horse racing industry, but this Louisville local Louisville community is uh, it really is so important. Uh, thank you so much, Brian, uh, for joining us. Been really interesting to hear about you know your history and your specific involvement involvement in our uh, purpose for a purpose program. So uh, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. All right, I want to send a huge thank you to Joe and Brian for joining today's episode of the podcast. I hope you guys really enjoyed the conversations that we had with them. So, to keep on your radar in the foreseeable future, we will be having a derby episode, which I am really excited about, which will be coming out in the coming weeks. Also, something to keep on your radar is an Instagram campaign. Not much I can say about it uh, right now. It is in the works, but the prize of this Instagram campaign will be a day at the races you will be able to win also an experience with track announcer Travis Stone as he is calling a race at Churchill Downs. So that is a really exciting um, potential prize item that you could win. So if you follow us on Instagram, make sure to keep your eyes peeled for that. I want to thank you guys so much again for listening to today's podcast, and I hope you have an excellent rest of your day.